You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Printed on the side of my reusable bag, a self-slogan, a bumper sticker, overwhelmed, slung on my shoulder, digging in deep, biting, because I carry around too many overs in my overwhelmed bag, overtired, overworked, overcommitted, oversaturated, oversensitive, overbooked, overindulgent, overmedicated, overanalyzed, overlooked, overpowered, overemotional, overstimulated. Try to walk and shop while you bear their collective weight. Better yet, try to swim. Try to keep your head above water as you compare prices while answering texts, while reliving the overreaction to your child, while posting reminders all over your brain to do, to be, to take, to bake, while wondering if there's more to life, while worrying about your friend's cancer, while hoping no one is noticing you're sinking and hoping someone notices you're sinking. I thrash my arms harder, kick relentlessly, my overwhelmed bag too heavy, snatching breaths. I may sink, I may dip below the surface with burning lungs, hoping for a lifeboat, a burden bearer, an arm extended. Anyone else feel like they need to take a breath after that? I think we all do. And being overwhelmed is probably a familiar feeling for many of us. And there's that one line in the song that we just heard. I've been white knuckled, just hanging on for dear life. And that's probably something we've all experienced. Maybe it's something that we're experiencing today. Maybe it's been a rough morning, a rough week, a rough year, a rough couple of years. And we've just been hanging on for dear life as just life comes at us relentlessly. And if this is us, that we would know today that there is hope because there is someone who sees the burdens, the concerns, and the worries that we carry. And his promise is, is that he will help us because Jesus' invitation to us is he says to us, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And that's all of us at some point in life. And his promise is, is that in me, you will find rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And then he says that in him, what we'll be able to experience is not just a physical rest or a mental rest, but rest at the core of who we are, rest for our souls. That's his promise to us today. So as we continue on, would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you know us, Lord not only the amazing things and the beautiful things about who we are in our lives, but also the hard things as well and where we're struggling, Lord, today. And so, Lord, I pray specifically for those of us, whether we're here in the room or watching on stream, who are struggling and there are challenges, big challenges in our life that we know that we cannot, Lord, handle on our own. That today, Lord, that we would just really listen and respond to your invitation to come to you because in you there's everything that we need. We're grateful, Lord. Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you care about us. And thank you, Lord, that your desire is to help us. 
today, Lord, whether, wherever we are, that you would speak to us as, your only, as only you can through your Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray all these things in your powerful, powerful name. Amen. I, too, want to say happy Sunday, everyone, whether we're here or whether we're watching on stream. And if we have not met, my name is Andrew Kim, and I'm part of the team here at Kensington. And so as we get going, as we continue to get going today, something else that we want to do is we want to receive our offering for today. So ushers, I want to invite you to come forward to receive that. And if you are somebody who does partner with us in this way, we want to say Thank you, because it absolutely does make a difference, not just for to impact the lives of people here in this area, but truly all around the world. And Maria mentioned it in terms of our uh, clean water initiative and the impact that it's having in Western Kenya. Just this past year, as she said, it's crazy to think, 14,000 people have clean water today who didn't have clean water a year ago, and that is absolutely astounding. And so if you would like to partner with us, we see the offering bags that are going around, but at the same time, as we see on the side screens, there are a number of ways that we can give electronically. We can scan the QR code, we can text the word Kensington to 77977, and we can also give via the app or the website. But if you are somebody who does give, we truly do want to say thank you. And something else that I want to highlight today and draw our attention to and really challenge us to engage in is that next month is Black History Month. And to really challenge every single one of us in this community to interact, to take a step, to learn more, to grow in our awareness and education of black history. Because it's not just black history, it is American history. And so to really help us with this, what we're doing is, is that this coming week, we're going to be having a website. A website is going to go live with a ton of resources for us to be able to take a step towards this, to really be able to engage with this. And there are going to be books that we can read, podcasts that we can listen to, devotionals that we can follow along with, museums that we can visit, courses that we can jump into. And let me just say this, this is really important for us to understand. The reason why we're doing this is not just so, is not so that we as a community can be culturally relevant or culturally cool or anything like that, but rather because this is part of our God-given vision to move towards becoming more of an intercultural community, the type of community that we actually see in the scriptures. And if we're actually going to do this, it requires us to enter into each other's stories, to learn one another's stories, to enter into each other's lives. And we actually see that Jesus, he's the one who modeled this for us in the most beautiful way. And we celebrated this just a month ago at Christmas. And that when Jesus entered into human history, what it actually says in the Gospel of John is that it says in the message translation that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He entered into our world. He entered into our lives. He entered into our story. And he invites us and he challenges us to do the same. And so two opportunities this week that I want to particularly highlight, and one is a course called Undivided. And this is a conversation that's focused around the issue of racial justice. And I have taken this course twice already, and every single time I have had my worldview as well as my God view expanded. And I've had conversations with people that have really challenged me, and ultimately what I've left this course with is a bigger, broader, more complete picture of God's heart for justice in our world. 
And so we actually have two cohorts that are going to be kicking off. One is going to be in person at Tree of Life Church in Royal Oak. And the other one, as we see there, is going to be an online cohort that's going to be starting on February 12th. And so for all the information to register, just go to that website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash undivided. And the second opportunity is that we as a community, we want to take a field trip. And I love field trips. Who doesn't like a field trip? And so on February 25th, we're going to be going down to the Charles H. Wright Museum. And let me tell you, if you've never been there, it is a fantastic, fantastic museum. And it's the second largest museum when it comes to African-American history in our nation. And so what we're going to be doing on the 25th is that we're going to be having lunch here after the 11 a.m. service. And then after that, we're going to be going down to the museum together so that we can take a tour together. And the cost of this is $25 for children and seniors and $35 for adults. And that cost includes lunch. And I've had the opportunity to go to this museum three times. And every single time, it is a powerful, eye-opening experience. And for those of us who are planning to also bring children, let me also say that I would probably put maybe about a PG-11, PG-12 rating because there's one portion of the museum that can be a little bit unnerving for children. But if you have children around that age and you're wondering what it is, I'd love to have a conversation with you. It's just a short portion of it, but at the same time, just so that we as parents can go in with our eyes open. But there are so many opportunities and my challenge for every single one of us is to do something this coming month. And so I'm excited about that. And so as Maria mentioned, today we are in the fourth week of our series, Seen. And I was thinking about today, as I was thinking about what we're going to be talking about today, I was reflecting back on my time here at Kensington. And my time here, I think, I don't feel like I've made or many, many controversial statements. I feel like so much of what I have done and what I have said has been pretty measured. But you know what? All that is going to change today. Because I am going to say something in a moment that may offend some of us. It may disappoint others of us. You may even be tempted to boo me, if you can imagine that. And I was talking to my wife, Robin, about this. And I said, hey, this is what I'm planning to say. And let me tell you, she was a little bit concerned. And she actually came to the 9 a.m. service, which sometimes she does, sometimes. But she, she made a point to come early in the morning to that first service because she wanted to see how people would respond. And she was like, thankfully, we have security here for you, just in case you need it. But this is something that's really important for you to understand about me, because this is something that I have been passionate about, not for a year, not even for 10 years, but more for more than a quarter of a century. And what this is, is, is that through and through, loud and proud, I am a San Francisco 49ers fan. Yes! Please. I relish, I relish, I relish the hatred. It actually inspires me, inspires me. We will, thank you for the prayers. I received many texts, many texts. Thankfully, I was not assaulted or nobody threw anything at me at the first service. But nevertheless, thank you for that. I feel like I am on the winning team after that, after that response. Yeah, this, this is true. Hey, but this is the thing. This is what I know. I've been watching, I've been on social media and like looking at people's opinions. And I honestly, I truly believe, not just in this area, but all across our nation, I am in the minority. And maybe some of you have seen this. I feel like this is a, this is a, a, a accurate map of who people in our country are cheering for. Is this not true? Yeah. 
You know what, if Jesus didn't connect us, I'd really think about, hey, what do we actually have in common today? And so, but I don't know if you can see this, but what's really interesting is that if southeastern Michigan was actually visible, there would be a little red dot that represents me right there. Me and a couple of other people that I know are part of this whole winning team thing. And this is the thing, right? And so today I know, right, all jokes aside, everything, it, today is a big day for both cities, both fan bases. And probably many of you, like me, I have read, I have watched so much analysis when it comes to this game, but still, I do not know definitively who is going to win. But what I do know is at the end of today, at 9.30, 10 o'clock today, whether we're cheering for the 49ers or whether we're cheering for the Lions, all of us are going to be overwhelmed. One group by sadness and disappointment and heartbreak, and the other by joy and elation. And when we actually think about being overwhelmed, being overwhelmed, it can be both a positive or a negative emotion. But in our culture, we tend to focus on the negative, right? We tend to, the negative aspect of it, and honestly, that's what we're going to be looking at today. And when we're overwhelmed, it can be the result of one thing or many things. But it often leaves us feeling stressed, anxious, burned out, and hopeless. And we all know the feeling. And so when we find ourselves in these moments in life, what can we do and who can we turn to? And so today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the story of a man who's found in the New Testament book of Luke. And when we actually look at his life, we see undoubtedly this guy was overwhelmed by where he found himself and what had happened in his life. And so imagine with me for a moment. Imagine a a man who's in his mid-30s. And this guy, you know what? He has a pretty good life. He has, he's married, he has two children, and one on the way. He has a good job, he has a solid group of friends. And the thing is, is that he was at Ford Field last Sunday to see the Lions win, so life is pretty good. But he comes home one day from work, and he shows his wife a small sore that's developed on his hand. And it doesn't really hurt, but it's weird. And so they agree that for the next week that they should try to keep an eye on this thing. And over the coming week, what happens is, is that this thing gets getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so finally he says, you know what, I'm just going to take care of it. And so he goes to the hospital and he sees a doctor. And when the doctor walks in and she looks at it, she immediately says to him, you're going to need to stay here for the next couple of weeks so we can keep an eye on that thing. And over the next couple of weeks, again, this thing just keeps on growing and growing and growing until now it's covering his whole hand. And after those weeks, the doctor comes back and she says to him, I got good news and I have bad news for you. The good news is, is that we finally have figured out what you have. But the bad news is, is that it's leprosy. And what that means is, is that you are going to now have to leave everything and everyone behind. You're going to have to move to the outside of town and live there by yourself for the rest of your life. And so this guy is lying there in that hospital room trying to take this information in. And as we can imagine, he's shocked, terrified, completely overwhelmed because he's trying to wrap his mind around the fact that his life is about to change forever. And he doesn't know a lot about leprosy, but what he does know is that it's a terrible, terrible disease that causes the body to deteriorate in an awful manner. But probably worse than this, what he knows is, is that this disease is going to force him to be completely separated from his family, his friends, 
everyone he loves and cares about for the rest of his life. And so all of these thoughts are going through his head. But then he has another thought and he thinks to himself, hey, you know what? This, my disease, this leprosy is only in the preliminary stages. I've only had it for a couple of weeks. And so he looks at the doctor and he says to her, doctor, I promise, I promise to be so careful. Will you just let me go back home and see my family one last time so I can say goodbye? And the doctor looks at him and with tears in her eyes, she says to him, if you love them, you can never ever go home again. You can never hug your wife. You can never kiss your children goodnight. If you truly love them, you can never ever see them again. And he goes off alone to die. And this was the case for people who had leprosy back in Jesus's day. And it was also the situation for this man whose story we're going to be looking at today. And this is what Luke tells us. He writes, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And that's important for us to understand. This guy, he probably didn't have this disease for a couple of months or even a couple of years. It had probably been a long time because we're thinking head to toe, he has this awful, awful disease. It was everywhere. And so it says that when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And if we were living back in Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago, and a man with leprosy came towards us, what would we have done? And I probably would have looked at him and probably run as fast as I could the other way because I would want, I would want nothing to do with this awful, awful disease. And today, leprosy is also known as Hansen's disease. And we know that it's a chronic bacterial infection that affects the skin as well as our nervous system. And it results in severe skin sores as well as nerve damage. And in a lot of cases, what happens is, is that a person's nerves will become hypersensitive so that things are extra painful. But then, something almost worse happens. Those same nerves, they die. And so the person can't feel anything which is worse because they don't know when they've hurt themselves. They can't feel pain. And leprosy is a disease that actually destroys uh, human beings from the inside out. And the crazy thing is, is that a cure was only developed in the past century, if we can believe that. And in ancient Israel, this is how God told his people to deal with this disease. And he tells them, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. And as long as a serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. And so they had to look. If you had leprosy back then, you had to look a certain way so that when people actually saw you, they would know immediately this person has leprosy and to avoid them. And if that wasn't enough, if, they, if somebody who had leprosy, if they saw somebody coming towards them, they had to scream out, 
unclean, unclean. And they were like a billboard radiating out. Don't come anywhere near me. And leprosy was such a horrible disease that people viewed it as a punishment from God. Somebody who had leprosy, somebody would look at them, somebody else would look at them and think, what in the world did you do in your life to have this terrible, terrible disease and this terrible, terrible life? Because people who had leprosy, they were abandoned. They were isolated. They were condemned to live on the margins and the outskirts of society. And in many ways, they were considered to be subhuman. But this is the thing that I absolutely love about Jesus, in that Jesus viewed people in a completely different way, including this man, and it changed his life. And Tim Noble and Sue Webster, they are two artists, and what they do is, is that they literally collect garbage, and they use it to create magnificent pieces of art. And this is one of their pieces. And it's interesting, and we look at that, and we think, who in the world would want that? That is literally a pile of garbage. And what's worse is, who would actually pay for that? Right, because we actually look at that, and we think, that is gross. That is disgusting. Everything in that piece of art are things that people have thrown away. So it's worthless, right? But their art is all about perception. It is all about light. And that's what it is. And what we view as treasure, when it's viewed in a different light, in a different way, can become a vehicle of beauty, meaning, and significance. And this is the final piece. Isn't that interesting? With that light. Because when we actually look at it, that's no longer a pile of garbage, but that's two people. And it's all in the way that we see it. It's not trash, but rather, it's treasure. And we see it in this story as well, because this man with leprosy in our story, so many people in that society would have looked at him covered with leprosy, probably head to toe, and looked at him and thought, you have no value, you have no worth, you are totally useless, you are a piece of garbage. But Jesus, when he saw him, he saw him in a different light, and he saw him in a completely different way. And maybe for some of us here, People have said that to us, that we have very little value, very little worth, that we are a piece of garbage. Or maybe, maybe because of what we've done or what has been done to us, we've said that about ourselves, that this is who we are. But this is the thing that's so important for us to understand, is that what Jesus, when Jesus looks at us, when he sees us, how he sees us and how he feels about us is not like this, but rather, it's about that other image. And he sees us in a completely different way. Our world says that this is who you are. This is the value that you have. And this is the use that you have to us. But Jesus says who you are is that you are my son. You are my daughter. And he sees us completely differently. And he says to us, no matter what we have done, no matter what mistakes we have made, no matter what we've accomplished in our life, he says, you are beautiful, you are significant, you have purpose greater than you could ever understand or imagine, and I want to use you to change the world. And the Apostle Paul understood this, and this is what he said. He tells us, every single one of us, for we are God's masterpiece. Not a mistake, but a masterpiece. 
And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And what he's saying to us is that who we are, every single one of us, is that we are God's work of art. And he wants to use our lives, our beauty, as well as our brokenness to transform and to change the world. And this is how Jesus sees us. But this is the thing that's so important. It's not only important for us to understand this is how Jesus sees us, but to also ask the question, is this how we actually see other people? Do we see them with these same eyes, with this same lens, with this same perspective? Or do we actually look at certain people in our lives and in our world like the people back then would have looked at this man with leprosy? And that we look at certain people and say, you know what, you don't have much value. You don't have much worth. You don't have much use. And therefore, we've discarded them, sort of like garbage. Cut them off in a lot of ways. And this is what I would say, is that my guess is, is that for me and for so many of us, if not every single one of us, we have these people in our lives. It could be a coworker. It could be a family member. Maybe it's our spouse, one of our children. Maybe it's a former friend who hurt us, wronged us deeply. Maybe it's a neighbor, but whoever it is, when we actually look at that person, we say, you're worthless, you're valueless, and we've cut them off and thrown them away. And what would it look like for us today to change the way that we see and to actually pray a dangerous prayer and to say, Jesus, would you help me to see them as you see them through different eyes with a different light with a different type of perspective. And if we're actually serious about doing this, one of the practical, very practical ways that we can do this, and I wanna challenge us to do this, is that over the next month, in the month of February, every single day, what if we actually prayed for them and not pray curses down on them that like we would probably want to do, but what if we actually prayed for God's best for them and their family, with their future, with their finances, with their career, God's best for them. And we don't have to pray for them for 20 minutes a day. It can be for 20 seconds. But what I've experienced is, because I've done this a number of times, when we do this day after day after day, is that what we begin to experience is that God begins to change our heart towards them. And it changes the way that we see. And the way that we see is so incredibly important because the way that we see in so many ways, it dictates the way that we live. And we see it with this story and the way that Jesus responded to this man. Because when this man with leprosy is walking towards Jesus, everyone sees this man because he's dressed a certain way. Maybe he's yelling out, unclean, unclean, who knows? But everyone probably knows this man has leprosy, head to toe, very likely. And so the people around Jesus, including his disciples, probably scattered but Jesus not only stays where he is, but as Luke tells us, he reached out his hand and touched the man. Touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. And if you've heard, if you're familiar with the five love languages, the five love languages are the five predominant ways we as human beings tend to give and receive love. And for me, one of them is physical touch. And let me tell you, I am not a physical touch person. I don't like people touching me, right? I'm an act of service, gifts, love gifts. So anyone, you guys want to love me, just give me lots of gifts, right? Totally open to be loved in that manner. But physical touch is not my thing. And so recently, 
I tweak my shoulder. And so last week, I went to physical therapy. And I haven't been to physical therapy in probably almost 30 years. I, had no, I didn't remember what to expect. Didn't know really what to expect. So I sit down, go in, sit down, and there's three amazing people in front of me. And they're asking me questions, trying to figure out what's going on with my shoulder. And so they're asking me questions. And then, of course, they start touching my shoulder and moving me all around because they want to try to figure things out, right? I'm lying down, up, down, up, and they're touching my, maybe it's my neck. Maybe it's my upper back, this area, whatever it is. But they're like super close and they're doing their job and they're touching me, right? And it's making me feel so uncomfortable and nervous. It's like two degrees outside, but there's like beads of sweat that are pooling on my forehead. And what's even worse and, and more embarrassing is that I'm so uncomfortable that I'm starting to like pit out, right? And so I have these huge sweat stains underneath my armpits. And of course, it's my shoulder. So they have to reach in there and touch my disgusting sweat. And then they're like moving me. And that just is a self-perpetuating cycle because it makes me more uncomfortable. So I sweat more. And it's so embarrassing, right? And so all of that happened on Thursday a couple of weeks ago. And this is the thing that I know because some of you have told me about this is that you're like the same way when it comes to physical touch. You don't really like people touching you. Massages off the table. You might go intense to a massage and somebody touches you and you actually leave more tense because somebody has touched you, right? That's how I feel. But even though we may feel this way about physical touch, the thing is, is that physical touch is absolutely essential for us because it's actually fundamental to our well-being as human beings. Whether we love it or whether we dislike it, we all need it. And so imagine... Imagine not being touched for years, if not decades, not experiencing something like that, and then people being repelled by you. And then one day, everything changes, and somebody reaches out and touches you. And that's what this man experienced. And the thing about Jesus is, is that he didn't have to do this, because when he saw this man with leprosy coming towards him, he could have just said, hey, you know what? Just stop right there, right? I know you have leprosy. I know you want to be healed. And I could just heal you like with this space between us, with a thought, with a word. In fact, you're already healed. You're good, right? He could have just done that. But Jesus didn't in that he allowed this man to come towards him. And when he's close, right here, he reaches out and he touches and Jesus touched an untouchable person, at least in that society, and he cured an incurable disease. And in doing this, I truly believed that Jesus healed something so much deeper in this man. And when we actually look at leprosy and the effects that leprosy has on our lives and in our relationships, in many ways, it's very, very similar to sin. Because just as leprosy, just as leprosy destroys us as human beings from the inside out, Sin does the exact same thing. Just as leprosy cuts us off from community and from relationships, sin does the same thing. And just as leprosy can only be cured by something outside of ourselves, sin is the exact same thing. And when we think about it, this is the reason why Jesus came. He came because we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't cure ourselves. We couldn't heal ourselves. And so he entered into human history to do exactly this. And one of the ways that Jesus is referred to in the Bible is as the great physician. And so he came into this earth not to point us to the solution, not to point us to the cure, but rather to point us to himself because he is the solution and he is the cure. 
And when we move towards him, we are able to experience this. And the Apostle Paul, he found this to be true in his life, which is why he says in the New Testament, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is truth, truth that I've seen in my life, in the lives of the people around me. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But this is the thing. This is the lie that so many people, including myself, we have believed at some point, maybe even still believe in some form or fashion to this day, that we believe that if we're gonna do what this man with leprosy did and actually move towards Jesus, we think, you know what? I have to get my life together. I have to clean myself up. I have to get things together and in order, and then and only then can I actually come towards Jesus. But if that was actually true, none of us ever in our lives would ever be able to approach Jesus. And when we actually look at the gospel accounts, the stories of Jesus that are in the Bible, he never, ever once said that. He never, ever said to a person, fix stuff in your life, clean yourself up, deal with all this junk and all your brokenness, and then we can talk. Never said that. But his invitation to people over and over and over again is that he says, come, just come as you are, right? In all your beauty, in all your brokenness, just come. Because when you do, I will, he says, make you well. And when we actually go out to the lobby, if you, all of us have been out to the lobby, we walk through it to get into this room. And when you actually look out into the lobby, on the left side, where the orange slide is, we have one of our big paneled TVs, and we have a sitting area, seating area in front of it. And every single time I pass by that area, I'm reminded of every single Friday morning, for about an hour and a half to two hours, I would sit there for 15 months, almost every single Friday, with a man named Bill, who led me through a step study. And the material that we used is the same material that we use uh, here at Celebrate Recovery here at Kensington. And for some of us, when we think about Celebrate Recovery, we may think, oh, you know what? That's just a program for people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol. And you know what? It is a program. It is a community for those people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol. But at the same time, it's a community for every single person because it's a community for anyone who wants to take a step towards healing and freedom and wholeness in their life. We can be struggling with drugs and alcohol. We can be struggling with pornography, codependency, anger, whatever it is. If we want freedom from anything in our life to enter into that community. It's one of the most authentic communities that we have here at Kensington. It meets in this building 7 o'clock every Monday night. And we not only have resources available for adults, but also for teens and children as well. And the reason why I started this 15-month journey is that when I actually looked at my life, I saw hurt, I saw hatred, I saw resentment, and I saw unforgiveness in my life. And I had tried to deal with it for many, many years, for decades for some, for some things, in fact. But I would wrestle with it, try to figure it out. Maybe it got a little bit better, but I always would find myself in the same place. And I said, I am so tired, I'm so frustrated, I'm so overwhelmed of just trying and trying and trying and this never, ever working. And so somebody said, hey, why don't you try Celebrate Recovery? Why don't you try this step study and this journey? And so I started. And the thing is, is that every time Bill and I would meet, this guy was broken record, right? Every single time he would say to me, hey, you know what? In the coming week, what I want you to do, the most important thing on this journey that I want you to do is every single day, lean into Jesus. 
Connect with Jesus. Engage with him because it's only in him and through him that you will find what you're looking for. Every single time he would say this to me. And so I did it. And I tried every single day to do this. But what was so frustrating was I couldn't feel any change happening. Right? You know, if you try to eat better, you go to the gym, eventually, hopefully, you're going to see something Right? But I am in this for almost a year and a half, and I'm not seeing anything happening. And I didn't feel more free, didn't feel healed, didn't feel more patient or loving or any of that. And so after a certain point, I was like, what's the point of this? Right? There's a, what's the return on investment? Very low at this point. And so I just wanted to quit. But every single time, people like Bill and my wife Robin and other people in my life, they would talk me off the ledge. And they would say, hey, you know what? You may not see anything but we see something happening in your life that God is doing, a transformation that he is bringing about. And it wasn't until a couple of months after I finished the study that I began to see what they saw. And it wasn't because I did anything. It wasn't because of self-help, but rather because of God's help. Day after day, week after week, month after month, just like this man with leprosy came on this day and said, Jesus, I need you. I need you to heal me. I need you to help me. Will you? And him saying yes and directing me, leading me, guiding me, asking me to do certain hard things, but to bring about more of that healing and the wholeness that I have so long desired in my life. And when we actually look at this story, this is the thing. And in other healing accounts, Jesus, specifically with this man with leprosy, the guy comes to him one day. He's had leprosy for years, decades, who knows how long. It's a terrible situation. And he comes one day, and Jesus says, you're healed. Boom, done. And he goes off, and he is fine. And don't we all wish that is how Jesus would heal us in just a moment. We come to him with all this baggage, and suddenly the next moment he just says a word, has a thought, and we are free, and we're good. But you and I know many times, Jesus can still do that in our day and age today. But at the same time, oftentimes, at least what I've experienced is that he takes us on a journey and it's a process. And it's many times through community that we are able to move towards the healing that we desire. And that's why we have a care ministry here. And that's why we have different types of communities, whether it be divorce recovery, grief recovery, celebrate recovery, marriage mentors, people to come alongside of us and so together that we can move towards Jesus and experience his best in our life. And so this is the thing about today is that as I was thinking about this story, for the people back then who had leprosy, what many of them would try to do is that they didn't want people to see this terrible disease that was visible for everyone to see. And so what they would do is they would try to cover up their skin as best as they could. And almost 2,000 years later, we still try to do the same thing. We might not have anything on our skin, but we all have things in our lives that when we look at them, we, we think to ourselves, you know what, that is ugly. When, if people saw that, I wouldn't be acceptable. I wouldn't be lovable. And we think that, and so we try to hide it. Right, we all look good inside when we come to church on Sunday. We're all dressed well, right? Took a shower, for at least most of us, right? Drank a cup of coffee, right? Have smiles on our faces. But at the same time, every single one of us come with baggage and an ugliness that is present in our life. And rather than trying to continue to hide it, 
and try to cover it up? What if today we actually took a bold step and we prayed a dangerous prayer just like this man did and said to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, would you make me clean? And what if we actually prayed that prayer? And whatever Jesus has to say after that, however he leads us, maybe he might lead us to enter into one of these recovery programs that we have or recovery communities, care communities that we have. And if that is you, all we have to do, just go to the website to find out more information. We also have somebody out in the lobby who would love to have a conversation with us today. But what if we actually were courageous and humble enough to say, I am tired of hiding. I'm tired of being overwhelmed. I'm tired of covering this stuff up. Jesus, I want to be free and I want to be healed. And the first step is, is that we would come to him today and see, say to him, Jesus, if you are willing, would you please make me well? Let's pray that prayer together. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your care and love for every single one of us in this community, God. And we all have things. I have stuff in my life. Every one of us have things in our life, God, that we're ashamed of, that we want to hide away from the world because we're embarrassed, God. But thank you, Lord, that you see these things and that you love us. You still love us, Lord. And how you see us is still as your son, as your daughter, Lord, that we would never, ever forget that. But at the same time, Lord, that you don't want just us to stay where we are. You desire for us to take a step towards you. And as we do, to take a step towards freedom and greater wholeness in our life. So Lord, I pray, Lord, for those of us here who desire to take that step today, that we would pray to you today and to say, Lord, if you are willing, would you please make me clean? And as you speak to us, as you nudge us, Lord, that we would also have the courage to move as you lead us and direct us. Thank you for your care for us, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your powerful, powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.